1 Kings chapter 17. The theme of my series that I'm building over the weeks is about going deeper with God. And I'm announcing a new move of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's now no longer just an announcement, it's a reality. It's happening. And uh, when we've seen all the different moves of God that we've, we've been through, they've been linked to certain manifestations. Manifestations of oil or whatever phenomenon it was on people's hands, the, the laughing, falling, weeping revivals. We've seen the moves of God kind of associated with different manifestations. And, and so you say, well, okay, you're telling me that this move of God is happening. It's taking place. So you look around and say, well, where is it? I can't see anything. Ah, listen, this move of God is about going deeper with God. It's the work beneath the surface that God is doing. And yes, there will be above the surface manifestation. There will be above the surface fruit. And there will be results from this. Any move of God must be measured both by its depth in what it does in our hearts and also in its outreach, how it affects us and changes us so that we reach out more effectively for God. But I'm very encouraged and emboldened by what I have experienced and seen in different parts of the world over, over the summer. In the late summer, I traveled to many different nations. Um, I won't be able to name them all, I'll probably forget. But I, I was in Kenya, I was in Poland, I was in the island of Mauritius, and I was in um, Colombia, all very different places. And I'm finding testimony of the Holy Spirit in every place. God's people are saying the same thing. They said, you know, I just want to share something with you. I want to share with you how we feel God is bringing a new move of greater depth in our lives. We had uh, Claudio Freisden from, the Argent from Argent Argentina. And uh, he, he came carrying that same message and carrying that same thing. So I want to encourage you. Don't just say the new move of God is coming. Say the new move of God is here. And, it's, and, and the initial phases of this is about what God is doing in your heart and taking you deeper with him. So the, this series is, is not so much an expository series that is, that is running systematically through topics. It's very much spirit-led. And uh, the word that I have for you today has come out, came to a, a kind of climax in my heart and spirit uh, very much towards the end of this week. And uh, certain things were taking place and happening, confirming what God wanted to say this morning about this topic. And uh, essentially, I had a telephone call from somebody who was at a stage where they were quite desperate financially. They're involved in, in a form of farming and production, which depends very much upon the weather. And uh, many of us who just go to Tesco's or the local supermarket to buy what we want have no idea what our farmers go through. No idea how that this year has been catastrophic in terms of the weather required at certain times to produce healthy crops. 
and, uh, and harvest. Anyway, this man said, in fact, my business is, is right against the wall. And uh, the bank manager is, is speaking to me, um, and he is seeing red, if you know what I mean. And it's, you know, unless God does a miracle, it's all over. And the Holy Spirit prompted me to, sp to call you and to, to talk to you about it. So I began to share with him, um, and he's a prophetic man, so I know that my, my words and my analysis will not either be exaggerated um, and, and given too much credibility, or neither would they be rejected, but they'll be received and pondered over and prayed through. And I want you to receive it in exactly the same manner today. And uh, the issue is this. In 2008, we hit a financial crisis. It was called a credit crunch. It was called a banking crisis. The whole of the banking system went into what was called publicly meltdown. Now, many of us from the 1980s have been prophesying this and warning that we cannot keep living on this kind of empty credit and living beyond our means nationally and, and personally and so on. And it was bound to happen. The miracle was, was that it took so long for it to happen. And when that banking crisis came, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me, came to me by way of impression that this initial crisis would, be, would last about three years. And that kind of worked out that way. Kind of worked out 2011, people were talking about, we've been through it. But the effects of this, compounded with other things that were happening nationally, internationally, would be amongst us for a further 10 years. In other words, there would be a 10-year period in which uh, the economy was going to be struggling and all the effects of that and quite frankly whatever government is in power would have to be coping with the same things and there might be different um, remedies and different approaches but at the end of the day everybody has to grapple with exactly the same things people lost up to 70% of their pensions overnight 70% of their pensions overnight there are crises which are looming and and we are in it and we're feeling it in many many ways and so I began to speak to him about what God was doing in this period during that period God was going to be doing something in the hearts of his people I'm even so bold as to say today that this financial crisis will continue for as long as it takes for the people of God to get the message that God is giving them so if you want it to end you better listen to God, and you better hear what God is doing in this season. At the end of the season, when we emerge from it and, and financial prosperity begins to, to resurface, we will find the financial landscape so completely changed, and there will be changeover of power in different, from different nations because of those nations who were able to lend money and therefore call the shots throughout this financial crisis. But at the end of that time, God wants a new people to emerge, a people who have made a, a massive transition. I'm going to speak about that transition today uh, using the story or part of the story to help me. And if we move in this and accept the transition that God wants us to shift from one place to another place in the spirit, then we will be ready to advance and fulfill God's purposes. And so it's a very serious word that I'm bringing today. But don't look too miserable because there's some good stuff in this as well. In fact, it's all good. How many people know that God's will is all good? All right, even when it doesn't look good, can we accept that? What's that called? That's called faith. Amen. All right. So let me read together with you 
um, 1 Kings 17 and verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now let's pause right there and let's see if we can actually capture what's happening. First thing I want to say is that we don't hear anything about Elijah. He's introduced right here. We don't know what he was like before. We get some ideas of what he was up to. But here we find him standing before the king of Israel, Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king, married to an even more wicked wife, Jezebel, and she had provoked him. And uh, as a result of this, God's prophets were heavily persecuted. The worship of of the one true God was marginalized in God's own land and nation. The altar of the Lord was broken down, and the people were... Uh, erecting altars and, uh, to idols, the uh, idols of Baal and Ashtoreth, and this was actually receiving state funding, and this was the patronized religion, and the, uh, so the true God and worship of the true God was a persecuted faith, but the religion that was pat- patronized and put upon the people was an ungodly faith and an ungodly faith system. You need to know that today we're living in exactly the same kind of period, Because we are being forced and pressurized to believe stuff that is not according to God's word. And we are being persecuted and indeed prosecuted under the laws of the land simply for holding to truths in the scriptures and applying them to our lives privately and also professionally. And so there's a great deal of pressure. And so we need an Elijah. How did Elijah come about? That's a mystery. We don't know. We can begin to think about it. First of all, Elijah must have been alone with God. He must have been in the secret place a great deal. How many know that you can't walk straight into the public place and be effective unless you've known how to seek God and receive from him in the secret place? So something had been happening. He'd been seeking God. And we know from some of the snippets of information that he had been very loyal and very faithful to God. And uh, he was so, so concerned to live for God and to seek God and to seek God's purposes. So the time came when God gave him a word. And the word was, go and tell Ahab the king that a deep, lasting recession is going to hit this nation. That's what he said. He prophesied it. He said, it's going to happen. And uh, so, but you know, you've got to have some kind of boldness. Look at his boldness. He comes before the king and he says, king, I want you to know as the Lord God of Israel lives. As the one who lives. He is the living God. Nothing outside of him is the living God. Idols are not living gods. Material things are not living gods. Why waste your time and bring disaster by worshiping material things, false philosophies and false religions? Stop it. We turn to the living God. It also means this, that if God is the living God, we haven't seen anything happen yet. I want to tell you something, people. It ain't over. God is going to have the final say. Our God is going to intervene. Our God is the living God. Amen. 
We used to say, I don't know if it's a polite expression, it's probably one of those things you're not allowed to say, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Remember that, so remember that saying? Anybody knows what that saying is? What that means is at the end of the elections and everything is done, there's a lady who is an operatic lady who's usually a woman of Samaria, if not from Samaria, and she would sing a great song, uh, and whatever the song would be. So they say it's not over till the fat lady sings. In other words, it ain't over till it's over. And I want to say it's not over because God's spirit is going to have the final will say. Now, God does not work independently of his people. God is not going to manifest himself with the sides of, the, of Nelson's column in Trafalgar Square and say, boo, ha, 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 I'm here after all. He is going to work through your life. He's going to work through my life, and we need to be ready. Amen. Amen. As the God of Israel lives, the God before whom I stand. Do you know how to stand before God? You're never going to be able effectively to stand before men until you have stood before God. And that's what this season is about. He's testing you. He wants to see if you can stand before him. If you can stand what he wants you to do. If, he can, if you can stand the levels of anointing he wants you to have. To see if you can stand the, the commission that he's giving you. He wants to see if you will stand or fall. If you stand or fall, it's about passing a test or not, okay? If you've stood the test, God is saying, I want to see whether my people can stand. Amen. Amen. Good time to have a little drink. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Amen. So, now, Elijah is so clearly in a place. And I want us to covet that place. He's in a place in the spirit. We need to get there. Amen. He is in a place with God. We need to get there so we can be effective. So I, I want to show you three things about Elijah's life and how he shifted from one place to another place. And, and essentially... The first place is where he would be naturally. When you look at all the circumstances, look at the personality issues. The Bible says Elijah was a man who was essentially very weak and very fearful. He was a man of like passions just as we are. And you, you think, well, that can't be. He stood on the mountain of Carmel and called down fire from heaven. Yeah, but how did we get this man who was naturally fearful, and I haven't time to take to prove to you how fearful he was, but he was a timid, fearful guy, but God made him strong, because it's not about what we can do, it's not about how we feel, it is about who God is, and God moved him from the natural, where he would be, according to natural circumstances, natural thinking. He would be in a certain place. And if we're only going to think naturally and operate naturally rather than supernaturally, we remain part of the problem rather than become part of the solution. It is only God who can take us from the natural into the, into the supernatural, into the realm by which the Holy Spirit takes full control of our lives. So let's see some transitions that it must have already taken in his place. Moving from the natural, where we might be naturally, to where the Spirit will take us. Moving from the ordinary into the extraordinary, which is my title this morning. So, it begins with this declaration. Ahab, there shall be no more rain 
all these years, going to go on for some time, until I say so. He pronounced a drought. Not one drop shall fall from the sky. Not one bit of dew shall touch the earth until I say. He was declaring a recession, economic disaster over the whole of the nation. Now, <laughs> the first transition was that Elijah began to think and speak according to the revelation of God. That's the first transition. So many of us are dominated by natural human thought processes. It is scary how we build our lives on our own human earthly wisdom. It's astonishing how we allow this world's thinking to determine how we think. What this world's values are, more or less, get reflected in the values of God's people. But the Bible says God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And God's ways are not our ways. If we want to survive and flourish and fulfill God's purpose, we've got to step out of the realm of human reasoning into the realm of divine reasoning. Into the realm of the Holy Spirit. So he moved from the opinions of men, and my first point, try and hold me to it, I want to give you three points, so try and hold me to the title because I will forget to emphasize what they are. The first one is, from the opinions of men to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. From the opinions of men to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's my first point. And when Elijah stood before the king, I don't even know whether he analyzed what he was saying. I don't even know if he realized the effects of what he was saying. He just said it. He was so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of, he'd heard a word from God, and that word came with full conviction, and he spoke that word out with full conviction. We need to be there, people of God, because God's word is being torn out of the very fabric of our society. Our society, and has for generations been built around marriage and the family. Now, I'm not going to try and do a kind of repeat Mitt Romney kind of speech here today. This isn't about the conservative right or the religious right. This is about the very basic fabric of our society. And that marriage has been defined for generations and generations and thousands of years as a union between a man and a woman for life. Okay, so what happen is happening is now our society is wanting to change the very definition of marriage. Where is the conviction of God's people to stand up and say, it shall not happen and you, you, you have no right to do it because you cannot mess with this. All right? So if we're talking about the rights of homosexual people to be in some kind of union which is ordered and structured and recognized by society, that actually is a totally different debate. But when we're talking about touching the nature of marriage itself, the devil has stripped himself naked and is no longer disguising himself. He is going around 
and saying, I'll tell you what this is about. I'm going to come clean right now. I'm going to reveal my hand. I want to destroy the very institution of marriage because if I can do that, I can tear society apart. That's what it is about. And that has to come not just from the, the rantings of a person on, in the pulpit who has the microphone. It's not about ranting. It's about having deep conviction. Listen to me. If we say marriage can be so defined, why can we not next year say marriage can be one, two, three people? Why can't we say that? Because marriage itself has been redefined. And if we redefine it further, why can't we say it's an annual renewable contract once a year? How about that? And people are already talk, talking like that. In fact, in the state of the laws of our land right now, your higher purchase agreement on your furniture and household appliances are more binding in law than God's covenant of marriage. That's already happening. So where's our conviction? We need to have conviction. And it's not just in this area of marriage and human sexuality. And if you think we're wrong in placing marriage and human sexuality at the center of the Christian ethic, go back and read Genesis chapter 1. It is absolutely foundational to everything that happens from Genesis 1 through to the book of Revelation. So this is just an example of how we need to have a word from God and have conviction. We don't even know what we believe. We don't even know what we sex before marriage okay. Well, people are doing it, so it must be okay. What about divorce? Is that easy? And right, who, who everybody's doing it. What about abortion? Everybody's doing it. We need to get back to the Word of God and get some Holy Ghost conviction of what God has really said and what God is really saying in our society. And it takes a whole lot more than a worked up Colin Dye on a Sunday with a microphone to change it. It takes a generation of God's people to say, I will be as Elijah to his generation, I will be Elijah to my generation. I'll spend so much time soaking in the presence of God and in the word of God that I will be able to stand up with conviction and able to communicate. So we need to move away from the opinions of men or the mere opinions of men to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Second point, we need to move out of the realm of personal comfort to genuine commitment to God's glory. Second point, we need to move from the realm of personal comfort to genuine commitment to God's glory. Now, I, you know, I would just so love if somebody could help that man just keep it quiet because it's wonderful to be hallelujah all the time, but I just need to keep, because I'll, I'll get so excited myself and I'll lose my message. Okay, so whoever's being blessed, just be blessed with a few more decibels, a few less decibels. Thank you so much. Amen. Everybody shout hallelujah. Come on now. Amen. Okay, so I haven't... I haven't quenched the joy of the Lord. All right. Okay. So the next point from personal comfort to commitment to God's glory. Elijah must have made that transition. To be honest, I don't know when he made it. Maybe he just spoke this word and said, hey, guys. This is a wonderful word from God. There's going to be a recession. And it's going to go on and on and on and on until God says so. Isn't that wonderful? And it's going to affect absolutely everybody. What? Even me. Even me. Elijah probably thought, oh my, my, my. It's going to affect me. Now, I'll tell you what, there isn't anybody that I know would be brave enough to, to start prophesying financial ruin over their own life. 
It's kind of good when you do it over somebody else's life, isn't it? You wicked thing. God's going to take all your money away. <laughs> He's going to take all the money of the, of the wicked and store it up for the righteous, meaning me. Okay, let's open a few more bank accounts and get ready. Now, that there is a truth there, but in this instance, God was saying, it's going to affect everybody. We're going to go through it. Elijah, you're going to go through it. The ones faithful to God, they're going to go through it. Amen? For the economy is no respecter of persons if you are continuing to walk according to the laws of human economy. But if you step out of that into the economy of God, something wonderful can take place. He had to learn. First of all, you shift before you receive it. Now, it could have been that Elijah had this all worked out. He had this word, and he said, God, I'm going to wait for the right moment, but please don't make me say this until I've opened several bank accounts and stored up a lot of money so that I can survive. And they can say, well, why, why aren't you skinny? Why aren't you tightening your belt? Well, you see, I had insider knowledge, you see. I knew it was happening, so I've stored this up for myself. Now, if Elijah had done that, God was just about to discover his plans, as I'll show you in a minute. But what Elijah was prepared to do was to fix his eyes on what God wanted to do in the nation, not about his own personal circumstances. And we all want to live in the comfortable zone. We all have mortgages to pay or money to save for deposits, or rent to pay, or, or college fees to pay. And we get very, very scared if somebody says, this is going to go on and on and on until God says so. So what do we do in the meantime? Do we go and find another church? Do we go and find another religion? What do we do? Do we stick with God? We stick with God because we know that where God's glory is at stake, then that's where we invest our lives and our time and our effort and our faith. Amen. This is about the glory of God. God will never let anything happen if it is not related ultimately to the manifestation of His glory. That is God's ultimate purpose, that all the world and earth will recognize that there is only one glorious creator, redeemer, God, and he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and God wants to get glory to his name. He is not somebody who is looking for the limelight. He is not somebody who's trying to get attention. He is not somebody who is so full of self-doubt and such a poor self-image that he needs people to worship him constantly so he can get out of the bed the morning and survive the day. Our God is the eternal, all-glorious God, and as soon as we line up with him, then we are able to see and enjoy his glory, recognizing him to be who he is. Amen. You want to praise God? Give it a go now. So, thank God that there is a verse 2. And uh, this addresses the issue. Elijah was prepared to pronounce something that would take him out of his comfort zone and commit him to the glory zone. To commit him to it, to the glory zone. And God responded straight away, verse 2, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Amazing. 
God recognized that there were two essential needs of Elijah, his servant at that time. Number one, for security. And I know there are a lot of people who are worried about security today. The more we stand up for the kingdom of God, the more we are under attack, not just from the legal process, but also exposing ourselves to violence. And uh, we, we, we kind of fear the loss of our own comfort. What if the laws became so against Christianity that some of us were put into prison for our faith? I'm prepared to go. When I said that a number of years ago, somebody wrote to me, says, basically saying, you're stupid because you don't know what you're talking about. I've been to prison. Nobody wants to go there. I'm saying I want to go there. I never said I want to go there. I'm not going to say it would be comfortable. I'm not going to say I'd be finding it easy to sing psalms and make merry in that setup. But my conviction for the glory of God will leave me no option. So what we are looking, what we need is security, God's protection. And, 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 and God said, Elijah, you've stuck your neck out for me. I am going to take care of you. I'm giving you a place where you go, where you will be safe, and I will keep you secure. Amen. That's the kind of God I want. Amen. And the second thing was, Elijah, by the way, it hasn't escaped the fact that you are going to go through the same economic test like everybody else. I don't ever want you to wish that you'd never said it. Because you honored me by making an uncomfortable pronouncement. And I want to tell you something. Elijah, I am going to provide for you every single day throughout this recession. No matter how long it takes. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Go there. Because you can drink out of that water. And there where I send you, I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Amen. Go ahead, give him a praise. I have commanded the ravens to feed you. And this is not just a miracle of God's provision. There is so much significance in it. I want you to understand several things. This is not an orthodox way of being fed. Not at all. In fact, it is completely unorthodox. Do you know that the ravens were unclean according to the law of Moses? So God is moving in a very mysterious way. Elijah, I will do whatever it takes, orthodox or not orthodox or not orthodox, I will be so specific and precise, I will show you my supernatural power of provision, even if I have to break your mindset. You know, a lot of us know during tough economic times how we're going to make an extra an extra few bucks, what we're going to do is tithe at 50%. That's what we'll do. 10% tithe, no, 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 I, I can't do that because I need the, so what I will do, I will reduce my tithing, I'll reduce my giving, I know what else I'll do, and we start to try and solve the problem humanly, and God says, you've blown it because I'm going to break all boundaries, I'm going to give you to do something that you wouldn't think would be the right thing to do under these circumstances, because I've already moved you out of the natural into the supernatural, out of the comfort zone into the glory zone. Amen. How many want to go into the glory zone? 
Okay, get ready, because God will give you some weird instructions, some unorthodox instructions, stuff that will be counterintuitive, stuff that the unbelieving world will look at you and say, you is crazy. And you say, no, I'm not crazy, I'm not lazy, I'm in the glory zone. I am thinking with the thinking of God's thoughts. I'm under the anointing of God. This is where God has told me to be. This is what God has told me to do. And here I know I'm going to be safe and provided for. Amen. Amen. Something else here. Just over the weekend, and I received this message uh, and phone call from my friend, I, I also shared with him, and he's prophetic, and he said, you know, Colin, I had a dream recently. I said, what's your dream? Now, this guy, he's not pizza prophet, you know. This guy is accountable, tied in. I've ministered with him in lots of different nations over the years. I know him. He's reliable. He's a clear prophet. As I look at uh, William Lee, he's a clear evangelist. This guy's a clear prophet. Amen. Thank God for clarity in the ministry gifts of Christ. And he said, he had a dream, and in this dream, the eagle, the mother eagle was flying to the nest, and the nest is the church. Flying to the nest and finding choice food and putting it in the beak of the little eagles. And the little eagles were spitting it out. And he said, what's happening? And God said, my people are rejecting the food I'm giving them in this season. All right. So what's happening here is that God is choosing the menu. God himself is choosing the sermon material. God himself is giving revelation to the cell leaders, to the leaders of the cell leaders, to all God's people who are called and anointed and separated to bring God's word. He is giving them choice morsels like the eagle, like the mother eagle. And that stuff is in my mouth today. And you are the baby eagles in this image. I'm also a baby eagle. I need to feed, feed what I, as well. And it's, it's, it's not the kind of food you'd have chosen. I'm sure Elijah would be sitting down and say, well, you're, you're an unclean bird. What do you got in your beak? What is that? Look, God, I told you, listen, I stuck my neck out here. I'm an ambassador of the King of Kings. I was just speaking to the king a little while ago. Why am I not in this? Why don't I have a free annual pass to the Savoy Hotel five-star dining every single day? I deserve it. I'm a man of God. God, you should be looking after me better than this. God says, no, I don't want you to choose what you eat. I want you to eat what I give you to eat. Stop choosing what you eat. Start letting God give you what he wants you to eat. And it, it, it's weird. It's strange. I don't even know whether it tasted nice. But God knew that what was in that food was exactly what Elijah needed for that season. And you know, pray for us. And all the more so for what I'm about to say. Because I think in this church, that's what we try to do. But the moment we think we're okay, we need more prayer. You get me? But I think that's what we try to do. And I can contrast that with what is being dished out in many other places. No criticism of any specific or individual group. But generally speaking, charismatic movement is still wanting the same popular kind of preaching, which is about as nutritional as a piece of jelly blancmange. 
It tastes good, but it doesn't give you what you need. Amen. And we are not going to try and just give you what we know that is tasty for you and what you think you need. We're going to try all the more to say, God, what are the minerals? What are the vitamins that we need today? God, give me something that will not just feed your people because we're not just in the business of feeding. God, give me what they need today so that they can grow in this season that when this season comes to an end, we can stand up fully, fully. New with the nutritionalized is the word I was going to say. It doesn't exist in any language at all, but do you know what I mean? Amen. All right. So, and, 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 and it's what you learn to taste. What you learn to taste, what you know is going to make you strong. Not just strong in a general sense, but what will give you the precise combination of spiritual minerals and vitamins necessary for this time of testing and training. Because when it's over, we have to be ready. Katika jina Yesu. Amen and amen. How are we doing? Are you with me so far? We are transitioning from one place to another place in the spirit, from the place where we are influenced by the opinions of men to another place where we carry the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're moving from the place of comfort where the natural things that are cor correct and right and natural to think about, God will give us an even stronger commitment in this new zone of God's glory, a stronger commitment to God's purposes in our nation and in our lives. Amen and amen. I want you to think about something. Elijah went across the Kidron Valley. The very place where Jesus stepped across. Before he went to Gethsemane. This picture here is almost a picture of Jesus himself. Shut in with his father. Not even his closest disciples were right next to him. Peter, James, and John were closer. The other nine were a little bit further apart. Or it might have even been eight by this time because Judas had been and gone. But it was him and the Father. And he was doing business with Almighty God. What a precious season that is. Sometimes it can only happen in the valley, not on the mountaintop. For every mountain, there's a valley. And usually you get to the mountain via the valley. Is that not right? God told him where to go. God had provided for him. And now he ate what God gave him. And, and we, as God's people, cannot refuse the food that God chooses for us in any particular season. And he humbled himself to do it. And in this season, he proved God in his own life. He proved that God is his source. If God can take care of you when there is no food anywhere in the land and has to command ravens to feed you, if you can go there and prove God, you will come out of that experience with something you never had before. What happened next? The story goes on. 
that even the river dried up. And so God sent Elijah to a widow woman who was gathering sticks. And Elijah said, get me a drink. But before you do that, go and prepare some food and bring it to me. And the woman said, I was about to prepare the final meal for me and my son. And after this, it's game over. We are going to die. And Elijah said, just do it. Now, he knew something. How many know that something's got to be happening there? You can imagine what the newspapers would make of that. You can imagine headlines on the biggest scandal newspaper, whatever there is. All the scandal newspapers seem to have closed down. I don't know. They'll find a way of coming up again. But scandal of the decade. Senior minister steals final meal from dying woman and her son. How many know that is way, way out there? But Elijah knew something. God had prepared him. And he learned now how to reason with the reasoning of the Holy Spirit in the supernatural, miraculous realm in which God can speak worlds out of nothing. God can create out of nothing something that will be a blessing. And he said, lady, you just do it. And when that woman obeyed the voice of the prophet and obeyed the word of the Lord through the prophet, she did it. And then he drew on his experience and anointing that God is the source and supply. It's not your bank manager. It's not that promotion that you crave after. It's not anything that can happen normally and naturally alone. May God use all those things and may God bless every bank manager that is in touch with any of our people. Bank manager, hear the word of the Lord. Give us the money. Amen. All right. Now we dealt with that. But over and above what we think would be the natural source of supply comes a supernatural opening, an opening from the throne of heaven that Elijah had experienced himself. And he said, I know that my God will keep me safe. I know that my God will provide me in extremity, whether he has to command the ravens to bring it or open heaven and food fall down. I don't know and I don't care, but I know that God is able. Lady, I speak the word over your life. This jar of meal shall not run out. It shall supernaturally reproduce itself and multiply itself because I know a God who has come through for me and I now can multiply that blessing into your life. Amen and amen. I believe, people of God, that God is bringing Kensington Temple right to the edge of the brook. And at the moment, the brook is not dry. But God is saying, drink, 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 feed what I give you. Because when you prove me in this time, you will be a blessing to the nations. And out of this house shall flow abundance. 
that shall be a blessing in the supernatural realm that will be contrary to every logical law of human economics. It will be a divine supply. So now is not the time to give up. Now is the time to trust God. And my final point, Elijah moved from anxious living to total confidence in his God. Are you ready? Are you ready to come with me? How many know you need that transition? We need to come out of natural thinking into supernatural thinking. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We need to come out of comfort zone into glory zone. Say, it's not about my comfort, God. It's about your glory. What will it take to bring you glory? Show me the thing that's going to bring you most glory. And that's what I will choose for me. But it's just going to, you're going to suffer. I'm not talking about suffering, God. I'm talking about your glory. Because there is no suffering I will go through that is not worth comparing to the glory that shall be revealed. I have made my choice. I'm investing in the kingdom of God. I'm investing my life, my time, my substance into something that this world says it's not working. This world says it isn't real. This world says you've had your day, it's over. I'll tell you, it's not over until God says it's over. Amen. And are we ready to say, God, I'm going to take a step out of that zone of anxiety where we are worried about tomorrow, where we're worried about stuff that is happening and say, no, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to have confidence in God. And when we get to that place, God is going to give us a word. And maybe you, maybe me, maybe us together, maybe all of God's people will say, world, listen to us. The God who lives the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the God who lives, says, amen. I do believe, and I can't prove it, but I do believe and have a suspicion that this economic recession will keep on going until God has successfully gotten us to receive the message and we will perhaps even be the leaders not necessarily out of the recession but out of the recession we will lead with a confidence and a supernatural anointing that we could speak and our words will not fall to the ground and provide for the widows and speak into our society provide for those who are hurting and who need healing, not just Britain, but the nations as well. I believe that the whole story I'm telling you today along those three points gives us every confidence to believe that God wants to do it and that he's going to do it. Amen. Amen. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Amen and amen and amen. I thank you. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Don't stop. Give him glory. Don't stop. Give him glory. If you receive this word, yeah, come on, give him glory. Get to your feet. Now, that's it. Everybody, over there, over there in the coronet, get to your feet. Get to your feet. Give God glory. Give God glory. Say, glory, I, God, I'm going to move. I'm going to move out of the natural realm into the supernatural realm. I'm going to move out of the comfort zone into the glory zone. I'm going to move out of anxiety into confidence in God because my God lives 
and I stand before him and I hear his word to my heart and to my life. Okay, let's pray as we finish this morning. Father, I pray that your word, which is like precious seed, which is scattered now into the hearts and the soil of our lives, will be so deeply received that it will affect even our very rootedness, our very foundation in Christ. And that out of this, Lord, will we'll work such beneath-the-surface things that people won't necessarily see. But the time will come when we'll be able to step out into the public arena and declare that our God is with us. And we've proved him. We've proved him in the secret place. We've proved him in the hiding place. And we're now going to prove him in the marketplace. Amen and amen. Big praise to Jesus. God bless you.